Welcome to another episode of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. This week, I'm joined by Amelia Cataldo, also known as Nehedar. Amelia has been writing and performing for some time, but her craft has shown the brightest on her latest release, Escaping Zion. Amelia's album unpacks so much of her understanding of feminism and personal growth, as well as some of the most pressured issues of our time. Amelia talks about her religious background that has shaped her career, her love for horns, and her views. Please note there's a content warning from about minutes 13 to 15 for a discussion surrounding mental health and death for those who may need to skip over this subject matter. Amelia has such rich stories to share about her music, so without any further delay, let's listen to Nehedar and dig into the interview.
Well, welcome, Amelia, to Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. How are things in New York? Oh, things are good. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thanks for having me. How Absolutely. Florida. Uh, it's hot. <laughs> I'm melting progressively, but it's, it's fine. I, I have my coping techniques of beach, pool, movies, lots of AC if I can get to it. <laughs> oh, nice. Do you turn the AC off to do the podcast? No, actually, I I have a good, pretty solid mic, so I don't have to do that, thank goodness. That would have been rough. But, like, I have to shut off the fan, because otherwise you can hear it, like, creaking and stuff, because basically, being in Florida, you run a fan all year long, so. <laughs> That's about it, though, as far as sound control goes. If anything, I'm always, like, trying to make sure I don't have my dogs barking, because they get excited, because um, the app that I used to record the app, record, like, our talks, Zoom, uh, it makes a doorbell sound when somebody joins in. So my dogs always hear that somehow. And they're like, who's here? And I'm like, no, they're not actually here. <laughs> <laughs> they're just anxious to make new friends. <laughs> <laughs> we don't yet have an internet for dogs. <laughs> not yet. That would be great. It'd be certainly more pure than the human one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, thank you so much for joining. I'm really excited to talk to you about your music. I really enjoy what you've done with Nehidar. It's really, really amazing. And you have so much range throughout your music. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I, 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 you know, I send out PR stuff and I'm not really, I mean, I'm, I, I think when I wrote to you, I was like, well, this is just so perfect. Like such a amazing, it's just such an amazing construction that you've put together with, um, with uh, the, this particular, like the way it's framed. And I was just like, I can just like tell a story here and just throw everything at it. <laughs> Definitely. I feel like you shared so much and I'm so excited for my listeners to get to know you in that sense too. Um, how did you kind of first find your way into performing and writing music? Um, well, I grew up the kid of musicians. Um, my fondest, my, my parents moved around a lot. They were New Yorkers. Mm -hmm. um and one of the places they lived is Miami um, oh wow for like five years uh pretty formative five years from like five to eleven okay and um and just grew up with a lot of music my dad played jazz and listened to a lot of jazz and latin jazz and my mom listened to and played piano she, she listened to more folk music and um and I I just I, I mean, I just sang. I, I always sang and felt really called to sing. And not, and the writing uh, started um, actually when I, when I got a little bit older. Um, the writing actually developed as a coping mechanism. Um, uh, it's actually a story I, I, I think I probably haven't told before, but um, I wrote my first song when I was 16, um, when I had gotten out of a mental ward. It's not not the greatest place to open, but, <laughs> but I, I, I just, I had been there for like, you know, a, a two week hold. It was, it was pretty common in my group of friends at the time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, things get rough and then you go to, it was called St. Therese. And um, just coming out, I, 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 I had been protected in that space from myself and from anything that could hurt me, shoelaces, forks, you know, et cetera. And then just to be out, you know, cause my, I didn't have insurance. So just to be out and, and the danger everywhere um, overwhelmed me. And I didn't, 
like I don't know that they helped me when I was there, but they but they definitely um, held me, you know, from her, you know, from hurting myself. Sure. And so when I came out, I didn't I didn't want to rely on like my old destructive patterns. So I wrote a song, and that was <laughs> and that was the first time I really wrote a song. And then I didn't really write again until after um, uh, like three or four years later. I left home um went to the national rainbow gathering and did a lot of acid got really religious um with uh this orthodox jewish um group that um sent me to israel palestine and i i like lived there for i lived there for a while and then i came back but but just got integrated into the jewish community Mm -hmm. and my mom came to new york and then got sick and then died like really quickly and that just uh kick-started it back like like it, it's a rock bottom coping mechanism for me <laughs> that's that's a yeah that's how i got started um songwriting and then from there i just had friends that i was telling that i was writing all this stuff and uh, my friends had a poetry journal in college and they put shows on, uh, it, was, it was called Mima Amakim, Yeshiva mm-hmm. University in New York City. And they, they just had me, they asked me, do you want to, um, do you want to play, sing your music at the show? And I, you know, I'd become an Orthodox Jew mm-hmm. and I didn't know if I did that because Orthodox Jewish women aren't supposed to sing in public and it's not actually because there's a religious prohibition on them singing but there's a cultural um stigma on any woman that would sing because it's perceived as bad for men to hear the women singing so like you know you're not supposed to put a stumbling block in front of another person Mm -hmm. sort of that same principle keeps like orthodox jewish women from um from singing so i had to ask myself do i sing in public and i said yes and um with that accepted a lot of stigma um and just didn't look back i mean i was never going to revisit that decision and just i mean because so then what happened was because i got started in this sort of rebel really rebellious way mm-hmm. um I, I, well, I had two problems because I'm still a, a religious Jewish person. So I still don't perform on Friday nights. So that's a big problem in music. Um, and I didn't perform with the very religious Jewish rock scene, which, yeah, that existed. <laughs> I don't know if it does now, but <laughs> we're talking like, bef- like around the time that Matis Yahoo got famous. Okay, okay. So this was like sort of the same scene that he came out of, Uh like my group of friends. Oh, wow. Yes. So um, not that we necessarily saw that coming, but, you know, it was it was the millennium. It was an exciting time. Um, And so I just ended up having to make all my own shows and sort of make my own scene. Mm -hmm. um, That's, you know, um, it's pretty much how I got started and and it's so it's very self-directed 
you know, I book my own shows, I book multi-band shows and always have. And really, sometimes I think that that's something even, like even more than the songs that I write and like performing them, that putting the shows together and making the scene is, um, is something like even better that I bring to the world. Like, you know, the, the, all the, I mean, in music, like everything's unpaid labor <laughs> for most of us, you know, like, um, but every, you know, everything like what you're doing of making a, a podcast to sort of like rally people together. Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, that scene building, like all the scene building stuff is, it's just so important. Absolutely. And it seems like you have such a great touch on scene building as well as acknowledging parts of your heritage and influences and stuff. I'm kind of wondering how that all kind of ties together for you. Um, I used to like my bio for years was like, you know, Amelia Cataldo, which is not a Jewish name. So, um, so Amelia Cataldo, the daughter of a Puerto Rican jazz musician dad and a you know Jewish mom, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it would start that way with uh, my parents' backgrounds. But then I ended up taking that out of the bio and just leaving it really simple because um, I feel like a lot of the press that I would get would just, when I like had it all written out, like they would just copy it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, I that's lazy know. writing. <laughs> So I just, I'm going to just give them as little as they can and make them listen to it and then write about what they hear. Yeah. Which worked. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, in my, in my music, I use a lot of horns. I love that so much, by the way. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. I love it too. And, uh, and my dad's a horn player. Mm -hmm. So, and I grew up with so much Latin jazz that, um, horns are really a go-to for me. And I've, gotten the chance living in New York to work with so many great trumpeters on my different recordings. Um, so that's just a huge gift because there's so many great musicians that are just available for session work. Um, yeah. And so then the, the, yeah, the Jewish thing is um, it's, it's, I don't, I don't play, um, I don't play particularly Jewish music. I don't, you know, the subject matter is usually not at all. It's much more, uh, my songs are much more about sort of my idealistic visions of the world. And, um, and so to me, it comes from the same place that makes me a religious person, which is just to clarify, making the world better. <laughs> not always what people think of when they think of religion. Sure. <laughs> But, but yeah, so, but, you know, even within my own religion, like I recognize that there's, you know, the, one of, you know, some of the worst influences are coming out of religious people, like mm -hmm. in my religion and in just about any religion. Um, my son was just asking me, cause um, we were watching Good Omens and he asked me, why in a different state did people used to burn witches? <laughs> <laughs> That's a heavy subject, that's for sure. <laughs> no, I, I told him because those people were very religious and sometimes religion makes people crazy. <laughs> it's true. Although I've actually heard that there might have been a touch of actual um, ergot, this like 
tainted grain that makes people, I don't remember exactly the effects, but I think I remember hearing that there's a suspicion that the, that fanatic, that um, whole, ep a lot of that episode in America came from an actual like food poisoning that caused mm -hmm. maybe hallucinations. I would not be surprised if it was a combination, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, so I actually have a song called The Tainted Grain, which is a, a Jewish parable uh -huh. that I took from a, a great story, um, a Rebbe Nachman story. I didn't write this story at all. I just translated it to song. Mm -hmm. and, um, I mean, like, I, I changed the words around, but I really stole it. <laughs> and it's called The Tainted Grain, and it's about, it's about exactly that. And I actually, like, wanted to call it Kajito ergo sum mm -hmm. I think well you know cogito ergo sum is like I think therefore I am but mm -hmm. I wanted to be you know cogito ergot sum ergot being the grain that like poisonous grain that is hallucinogenic and I I wanted it to be cogito ergot ergot sum which would be like I think hallucinogenic grain experiences therefore I am <laughs> oh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's good though. I mean, I, it's interesting that you're able to kind of tie in that kind of storytelling though into your music as well as your personal perspectives. I feel like that's one of the things that actually got me really excited about your music was just the way that you wove in your own narrative too. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, as I was talking, then I start telling a story about an actual Jewish song I wrote. That's fairly new. Yeah. But I don't hold it back. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, um, I don't dislike it. And I also really like kind of the recording of that song, The Tainted Grain. I went kind of full on, there's a Middle Eastern flavor to it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, I mean, that's always been an approach of mine is, is kind of this genre fluid tendency to just like, what does the song sound like? Like, it's not, I don't have a genre. <laughs> No, you really don't. And I think that's what I really like because some of your music does fall a little bit closer to like the pop side of things. So it does feel a little bit rock. Even some of the songs feel kind of punky and that's kind of cool in that sense because I think you, it, at least from my understanding, you're really just letting the song speak for itself. Yeah, totally. I, I Yeah, I, I mean, from every every aspect of, um, of, of the song, I try to... I try to just follow the song and not, and, and I really try not to limit it with my expectations of, of what I write, mm -hmm. what people think of me. And fortunately, I think I've put myself, I think that, that because of the way that I started the combination of the live shows that I was doing, and then the, the way that I got into the recording studio and the producer that I was working with from the beginning, I sort of ended up with, a split sound mm -hmm. my live show was like sort of like dirty rock and then my <laughs> my recordings were first of all experimental but sort of this like clean more produced sound mm -hmm. so there was just very little crossover um and um and then for many years for many different reasons um i was very much like a creature of the studio just releasing album year after year after year with pretty sparse shows in between and a non really a non-committed band 
um, you know, I'd sort of pick up, well, I'd rope my friends in is really what I would do for, for years. I would, you know, just rope my friends in, you know, this is not a money-making operation and like, mm -hmm. you know, all hands on deck. Um, it was, it was super fun, but there was a disconnect between what I was producing and then what I was, uh, doing in the, in the, doing on stage. And then, um, and then I actually got a new bandmate in, I think it was 20, it was like 2017 or 2018 while I was in the middle of recording, um, my last album, which is called Escaping Zion. And I just totally turned over all the recordings we had done and was like, new sound, new full-time bandmate, like, um, went really into, cause she plays cello and harp. So went really into like, just let's turn all these production, these, uh, these uh, recordings onto like a sort of unified sound, mm -hmm. which was interesting um, to, to just try that. And then just, getting more into being a unit with my with my bandmate and we were a duo um for a while so me on guitar and vocals and her on cello that's and, cool yeah and she plays the lead and then we picked up um a drummer who's now also a committed part of the band so we're a trio and for the and so now i i've, I've got this incredible unit um and so we're just i, I I mean, I'm writing, I'm still writing and I'm uh, always seem to be working on an album. Like I'm currently working on my 10th, but, mm -hmm. but, um, but I'm also like dragging great songs out of my back catalog and being like, I get to perform these now because I have a band <laughs> like that practices together. And like, it's just amazing. It's just amazing experience to to, you know, to sort of have had that, to, you know, I was alone on stage for a long time too. Yeah. Um, and, and so I wasn't playing, you know, like a lot of those punk songs, a lot of those rock songs and just anything that was really up tempo, I would just leave it. And my, my set was very like mid tempo to, to slow. And I really played up the drama of my voice. Mm -hmm. And a sparse a sparse guitar you know i i'm not i'm not i, I i'm working more on on guitar now but um like when i started i i didn't even play i only played a hand drum when i did my first show mm -hmm. so so i'm, I'm, I'm really working on guitar now which because i'm in a band with a cellist and that's like <laughs> that's so cool though like that's a great instrument to have live in that sense too because it just brings a unique dimension to your music yeah, she's, I mean, she's, she's a bass. She could be a bass. She plays leads. She can do like creepy, eerie stuff. Like she, it's such a multidimensional um, instrument. It's, it's amazing. Definitely. And I know you mentioned that whenever um, she joined your band, you kind of started playing around with your recordings instead to incorporate that. Um, how else has maybe having the drummer and the cellist in the band kind of influenced you maybe writing the music or and performing too right right so so all the songs that i had already had written at that point i was like let's turn them over and add cello to everything but then there was a whole new crop of songs that i was writing like 
I've got her on lead. I'm writing sick leads leads for her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's so cool. Like the song, I think that the song they don't teach might have been like the first one that I I I don't even know if I wrote it because we like sort of were doing this cool friend hang first before she officially joined the band. She'd come over and we'd watch tiny desk concerts. Oh, fun! Yeah, which is really an amazing way to to start a band of just like sit there and watch and critique music together (laughs) well yeah because you get to know each other's styles you know what each of you kind of value in that sense of your songwriting and then you can use that when you go to write your music or when you go to collaborate with the music that you've provided at that point it it helps you get an idea of like what the that person's maybe expectations could be or what they may want to accomplish yeah so so the other so 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 then my sound so then I, I unified the sounds with my last album, the, the ninth album, Escaping Zion. But with this next album, I, 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 I realized, like, I went back into the studio and released a song called Bad Faith mm-hmm. with Craig Levy, who is the producer I've worked with for, for many, many years. And I just, we just, you know, finished it in like, I don't know, three or five hours. And I, it just had this incredible momentum. Um, and there was, I wasn't, I wasn't about to turn it into a cello song. It was like, it's like electronic. I was listening to Making Plans for Nigel by Ecstasy, like on repeat at that time. Cause I had just seen Bandersnatch, the Black Mirror episode. And so, yeah, it had, it just had, it just, cello didn't fit. So basically I, I, I acknowledged, and my husband loves like a certain type of synth pop that me and Craig do together well um that's kind of my my album hello abyss starts out with two tracks that are just kind of that genre yeah and i and i just i just realized i've got this incredible band and i've got this great relationship with this producer and i don't really need to necessarily even mix them like like the so the nahedar project is now sort of splitting into a studio component where i'll just like play and you know do synth stuff um for leads and then um and and produce them out in like quirky ways and then the set that I'm working on with the band which which um we're pretty selective about what we bring into our set we're you know we have we're just really excited about our set and Mm -hmm. um not all the songs fit there like I wrote a song about how it was sad that my son is you know getting older it's like sad for both of us and I tried it with the band and it just it's just you know it comes out trite in in a certain setting whereas like if I produce it like maybe I could just have it be like you know light and you know get away with it get away with being a mom with feelings (laughs) yeah but I mean that's that's one of the things I liked about escaping Zayn in that sense is that you were able to like incorporate so many of those sounds and voices like you were able to go from doing something that was like so upbeat and dancey, like mod Civ, all the way to like having planets with Benny was super cute. I loved it. And like that shows so much about, I feel like you personally, not just as a musician, but as a human in that sense and your creativity. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, that's, that's always been what I've, what I've tried to, I think what I've tried to express is just that, you know, music, I think that I see a lot of limitation in, in the music that people 
with people caging themselves in with these musical identities, there was like mm -hmm. a big movement around when I started. I think you started hearing for the first time, you have to brand yourself. <laughs> which is great now um with the nixium cult like they took it too literally but um the you know brand like everyone has to brand themselves um and the whole idea of genre it, it's like a radio thing it's i mean it doesn't work for musicians and and musicians are going to be the first people that are gonna say that they like something in a different genre mm -hmm. like a lot of times music fans and music music fans get really excited like i like you know they they, they like name their personality after their style of music that they like mm -hmm. and musicians don't tend to do that musicians are just like riding the waves <laughs> Yeah, and like, you know, the best musicians are fluid in their sound and they'll take influence from all kinds of things. Like you might hear a song, if not a whole record, that might have some like Southern rock or country influence and the next record might be more experimental with like synths and stuff. It's just the best ones I feel like are willing to be fluid with whatever their creativity is driving them toward. Yeah, and I'm I'm like, my I'm like um from the 90s. I'm... <laughs> I'm not super young anymore and and so the music that was on the radio that I was listening to like there was this all alternative we call we called it alternative mm -hmm. you know it was alternative music and we called ourselves alternative people which is really ridiculous but <laughs> um but alternative radio in the in its heyday was super super random like it would just be a, a real mi mishmash of different kinds of sounds. Oh yeah, you'd go from hearing something that was like ska influenced to like something that was just straight up pop with like some guitars and like you never knew quite what you were going to get on those stations for that reason. That's why yeah. it, it was like literally music shuffle and even and almost even the popular bands and musicians and stuff, they didn't really have like necessarily like a designated genre so much of like even what was just like mainstream in the 90s in that sense was even like just a mishmash yeah I mean so alternative at the time it seemed kind of stupid like I mean because literally people would say like a person is alternative like they are alternative because they have like a wallet chain and and <laughs> jinkos and, and I don't know I don't know, like barrettes in their hair if they're a boy. Like it, it, it was just, it was just a very like the word itself. Mm -hmm. Just it just felt silly. Like all, like an alternative. Like I don't. <laughs> it's just a strange word. Um, I've honestly never thought about. I haven't thought about it this much for a while. But <laughs> but but the other thing, and this is you know, this is a this is the amazing thing about the '90s music. To me, was like like the women, the, the wave of women, um, that was the floodgates opened and, you know, Bjork was huge, you know, you know, Hole and Alanis Morissette and even Jewel. And there was just even, I, I feel like with Sarah McLaughlin, like on the alternative channels, 
there was just this wave of women, you know, Belly and Letters to Cleo and Tracy Bonham and uh, Liz Fair, Tori Amos, PJ Harvey. It was just, I mean, it, I, I think something similar is happening now. Definitely. We're in like, I think the next wave of that kind of sound and stuff, because there's so many artists out there that are doing just really great work and fusing their sounds and just developing, I think, what really they love. And we're at a point, I feel like, at least in the music community where people are just kind of like, you know what, that's different. I want to try it or I like it. And yeah, you know, it's, and, and then there is a huge wave of women artists too, like indie women artists like mm-hmm. Soccer Mommy, Mitski, um, Snail Mail. Yeah. Breakfast. Like, they, like people, Sadie Dupuis, like people like rising I mean, I, I think it's, it, it feels like a wave. It absolutely is. Yeah. Um, but, but then, but then I, I look at, I don't know if this is kind of random, but like Casey Musgrave and sort of the whole alt country scene, it seems like it's, there's always this fight going on. Like, why isn't Casey Musgraves doing well on country radio? And I'm just like, why does Casey Musgraves need country radio? Yeah, it's it's kind of silly that, you know, there's still that focus on trying to get artists on charts or like get them to succeed on this particular genre radio style or anything like that. It's a, I, I always feel like that aspect of like the industry is quickly becoming antiquated because people who consume music don't really care anymore about things like charting or like, radio play the way that I feel like it was before. Maybe it's just because I have an outsider's perspective, but it's just, it's a strange time for that, for sure. Yeah, it just seems like there's, it kind of seems like, you know, great, like there should be a new, like a new genre of just like good music. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. We just call it good music because, like, it's funny because, <laughs> like, yeah, a lot of these people that we're kind of talking about in that sense, it's like, yeah, they have different influences as different genres, but I don't think they themselves like being confined to genres either. Yeah. I, genres, I mean, I don't know. I Honestly, I've never had this conversation with a musician that does lock themselves in with a genre. So there's so many of them um whether they do it like intentionally or not I've never had a conversation with with someone and been like like interviewed them like do you really like this or do you think that this is the thing that's gonna like work for you just you know picking something and and aiming at that specific audience yeah a lot of people have been doing a lot of uh I feel like it's almost like ironic like joking genres now so like my friends in future teens, they call themselves bummer pop and my friends in expert timing call themselves like bubble grunge. And like, I think that it's turned into, it's like, we're going to call ourselves whatever the hell we want and you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. But then some of these, see some of these things like creep up like they're real new genres and then they confuse me. Like vaporwave and stuff <laughs> <laughs> believe me my imagine my confusion when i first discovered years and years ago math rock like i was like wait how does math rock work it's not they're not doing math it's just really fast and technical and i'm like but is that really math and 
it would I remember just being amused the first time I even heard of that genre and it's stuff like that where it's like what or like even just noise in general like that is just genre I'm just like I guess it is noise I don't know <laughs> yeah yes thank you for yeah I mean I mean I'm open to anything and um you know as long as it's good yeah pretty much that's that's where I've always been <laughs> why um the the american uh avant-garde composer john cage has this famous piece called 333 where he just you know i think he the, not he, he he wrote it he's a composer but the the conductor just like stands there and the band just sits there mm -hmm. and he just sits there for three minutes and 33 seconds like whatever sounds like happen in the room is that's the music yeah <laughs> that's wild that's, <laughs> that's that's like the fancy noise rock at that point <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i love it it's so nice though that that um it seems like this night this uh, this 90s the women wave and also the genre bubble bursting mm -hmm. that stuff is 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 just so i mean hopeful to me mm -hmm. yeah because you're you're one of the i feel like examples of that in that sense and that's one of the things that i really liked about your latest record was that you know you just kind of played with so many different sounds and it was really successful and i just I love the energy about it. Can you kind of talk about your process of writing that record and um, maybe what you were feeling or some of the things that you really got out of it? Oh, yeah. I mean, so um, I'd have to sort of think track by track. I mean, survival, the opener is, oh, there's a lot of intense feelings on, on that album. I actually had... Um, in typical fashion, retired from music. Um, when I was like, when I was nine months pregnant, I was like, I'm done. And everyone was like, uh, what? And I was like, no, I am. They were like, you're not. Um, but that was when my album Hello Abyss came out and I had my son and I, I really did want to stop. But, oh no, that's not true. The Warming House was when I was pregnant and then and then Hello Abyss was like a few years later. That was my big return. Hello Abyss was, some of the songs came in the like post-Trump world. Mm -hmm. So there's so, so there was just like an urgency there. Um, and then es Escaping Zion, um, like survival is very much, I mean, it's, I guess if Hello Abyss was like a post-Trump, album that you know got me out of retirement um well half post trump so sort of like the the election itself was also intense mm -hmm. and stressful and negative um so yeah so hello abyss was the pre-trump into trump and then and then escaping zion is very much an album that's like um that's very much in a Trump world. I'm actually just gonna pull up the track list right now because I just 
like work better if I can see stuff? Yeah, no worries. I mean, one of the things that I think was really amazing about this record is just some of the different things that you just discussed throughout the record lyrically. Like, I feel like you kind of had a critical lens when it comes to like, obviously, of course, society as a whole, but like a little bit at feminism and kind of always trying to grow and learn in this time of like, just straight up, it's tumultuous to try to exist right now. And it's stressful. But one of the things I really like was that you, it seems like you personally throughout this record, were trying to explore, trying to learn more, educate yourself and admit to like, some shortcomings, but also it's encouraging in that sense because other people can kind of adapt to that. So, so Blind Spot was a song that um, is, is, is as much about, it's as much about, um, I like to hide, I like to mix um, relationship-ish material with larger issues. Uh So um, Blind Spot is, sort of framed as like a really truly what it is um also so it's sort of two things um kind of my version of being married is like you know having a person to check your blind spot sure <laughs> um, yeah so in that vein of yeah of wanting to improve you know you really have to admit that you aren't can't you're not omnipotent Mm-hmm. You don't know everything, <laughs> can't see everything. Like, and that's very much, I think that's very much like a lesson of of intersectionality also. Big um, time, it's, definitely. It's, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I think the blind spot started out as more of a macro story about, you know, what uh, about that subject, about how we have to acknowledge that there's, like just blind spots to to what we know about the world mm-hmm. um and that the, you know intellectually honestly admit that is not shameful and and it doesn't you know it doesn't say that there's something wrong with you in any way you know to the you know in the opposite way i think it you know you know people to me a people a, a person that admits that they you know are limited in any way is like a hero <laughs> yeah because at that point you're like willing to acknowledge like Maybe because I, I, I firmly believe everybody has to some extent a privilege, whether it's like your your gender, your sexuality or your race, what have you and stuff. And it's like if you can acknowledge the blind spots that you have because you don't have the same experience as the other person, that is already a huge step in intersectionality. And that was one of the things I really got out of that song was like, oh, this is cool because there's that acknowledgement that you don't hear typically just in general communication, much less music. Oh yes, um, yeah. To me, it's 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 just yeah. I really wanted to express that, and then and then that was how that song started was this macro concept of 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 not ju- not just of like admitting that we don't know everything, but also then by ma- but I think maybe by making it about a relationship about a marriage, which is really like my experience in being married. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to have respect for each other you can't just walk around being like you're dumb and you don't know what I want my life is like like when you're married you have to you have to be you can't you just, well I mean if you want to stay married which <laughs> I mean everyone has a choice to to choose to get married obviously to to choose to stay married obviously very important however if you are and you and you do want to remain that way I mean you you have to you can't start to um detest the other person yeah you know you yeah so 
um, that I feel like explaining <laughs> is because um, I don't think anyone's like kind of quite picked up on it, but in survival, um, um, uh, I, I repeat the, the line, I really could use a hand out. Mm -hmm. And what that song is about is like being at rock bottom and ad admitting it like I'm totally screwed up and I just need help and support. And um, I really could use a hand out. And I grew up in the 90s when, you know, we had a lot of Clinton stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, and one of the famous things from Bill Clinton was um, he's saying that he, you know, sort of stigmatized the idea of a hand out. Say, I don't want to give people a hand out. I want to give people a hand up. And I kind of feel like that's a dark moment in our society when a hand out becomes a bad thing. Yeah, because, I mean, I feel like it's been so... It, it, it's been treated as almost a situation of like, you know, just selfishness when it's not about that. It's about, I always thought of handout as like literally outstretching your hand to help somebody, not in the sense of like, you know, a handout is in like just giving something to somebody for free. And I feel like you're right. That was an, that was a statement that I feel like got twisted big time, especially in that era and what Clinton was implying. Yeah. So I, I really just, that's what I wanted to say with, with that song. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it really, I, I spent some time sort um, you know, traveling as a traveler, um, which is kind of like being homeless, like sleeping outside, sleeping in, holding camps. And this was before I became religious <laughs> and partially why I became religious, survival. Um, <laughs> you know, some people, a lot of people's life choices, like, you know, really are just a product of not, you know, it's like there's choice, but it's like you're choosing not from an infinite number of possibilities. Mm -hmm. um, so I really relate to homeless people. And like, that's kind of like my core. That's like where my heart is, like my core issue. Uh, like, if I had a trillion dollars, I would, you know, just put it to building hostels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like building equality and sustainability in that sense yeah um it's huge I, i'm a little bit cynical that like the current systems like i there was a while where i wanted to become a social worker and mm -hmm. i think i i think my cynicism is like is like pretty calcified in that i do think a lot of the system is built to perpetuate itself oh absolutely no question yeah so yeah, so I, I yeah, I would I would want to Elon Musk a new solution. <laughs> if only, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I, I like how you communicate that through your music and you communicate a lot of really important issues in that sense too. Like, holy shit, thoughts and prayers. I remember the first time I was listening to you, I just sat there and froze and just thought about the way that you were just discussing things like violence and gun violence and the ways that people justify having access to guns that they don't need per se. And like, it was just fascinating for you to kind of deconstruct an issue that I feel like so many people have wound up so tight that I don't think they even understand what they're saying anymore. 
and you made it so simple and so easy to process and you know every issue that you kind of brought in relation to it just hit really heavy oh wow um i really appreciate that i i i don't even play that song anymore because it's so heavy yeah, it is yeah and i and i and i yeah i i could i i could bring it back into the set um but it's yeah, I, I think it's a super emotional issue for people that really like guns. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's hard. You know, that's hard for us as a country to, to deal with, especially, you know, yeah, mental health, um, you know, intense emotions, toxic masculinity, just this proliferation of, 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 terrifying weapons the whole mentality i mean i i could i could i could write another song that's like sort of like a layer beneath thoughts and prayers of like other ideas that i think are adding to to the mix Uh, but that song is like just all this like low hanging fruit it's just Mm -hmm. like a gun, you know, a gun doesn't make you happy. A gun doesn't make you safe. A gun won't save your marriage. A gun won't make you brave. Like, you can't just get a gun and be brave. Like, that's a personal thing in you. Like, a lot of people, you know, are so terrified of, I mean, not having guns on them. And it's, you know, and then you have the industry that that's perpetuating it. I, I'm also like wary of that song. Like I, I think it came out on the day of Parkland mm. massacre. It came out on Valentine's Day that year. I, I, uh, I think. Oh wait, it came out on the day of a massacre. Wow. But, um, but I just I wait. I actually now I have to check that. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, it's just. Um, it's, I don't want to like be seen as like, I'm trying to like take advantage of this, like, oh, there, you know, I wrote a song and I want to like, you know, I wrote the theme song for gun violence. Um, but, but like, you know, you, we're not allowed to talk about that yet. It's Mm -hmm. absurd. It's absurd that, that we are in a, in a situation where, a huge percentage, you know, an overwhelming percentage of the country doesn't want the NRA to be, you know, controlling things, and they are. Yeah, definitely. And that's such, like, a heavy issue. And I don't think in any way you're taking advantage of that. If anything, you're providing a tool to help educate people, and music is such a great way to do that. And that's one of the things that I thought was so powerful about it, because you're speaking thoughts that you know, a lot of people have had crossed their mind and stuff. And it's like, it's touching on something that's extremely important that, you know, we may, we may feel like we can't talk about it, but a lot of people are starting to sing about it. And maybe that will start to open up that conversation further. Yeah, I think something, I think something's going to happen and things are moving so quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, hopefully, you know, we just have to hope that this Trump election was just a low point that like wakes everybody up. Yeah. Non-voters really are the problem. And I used to be a non-voter and, you know, it's, I understand why people are non-voters. I wasn't raised in a family that that voted. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents were super, they were radical. They were poor. Like they didn't have any 
interest in choosing between the lesser of two evils and they didn't understand how it affected their life. Mm -hmm. I was just wasn't raised in that culture. And so I don't, I don't, you know, I know I, it's hard, it's hard because I I know how, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And then, and then I wrote the song safe, um, Mm -hmm. which is on the album that specifically was like a, a, a guttural response to the immigration abuse. Yeah. And I brought that back into my live set because it's, it's really just shockingly horrific. I mean, it's horrific what we're doing to people. Yeah, definitely. And I felt like it could apply in so many ways, of course, to immigration, but to so many atrocities that are happening between like stripping away civil rights for different groups of people and stuff. And it's just like, you know, it that has cultural implications to where there's violent acts against marginalized people because this is becoming normalized because the government says that people are less than human or that they deserve less. And it's, I just, all I could think about listening to that song in particular was about just, you know, the, the impact of the way that this administration is treating people. And, um, it it became very quickly a mantra. It's like, you know, the, nobody's safe until we're all safe kind of thing like that aspect of the music that that was impactful and important and probably have to put that song in the episode for people to hear because it's just it's so real and important um thanks yeah it's it's yeah it's true I, i i forgot i'm like telling you oh i wrote that about the immigration but i forget sometimes that like that that doesn't even matter what i was thinking when i wrote it it does matter because I mean it goes a long way to understand kind of where you were coming from and like you know it's 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 special that it's resonant that's for sure no but I'm happy to hear that yeah that it goes further than that because yeah to me it's like I mean that's where that happens to be where I'm coming from but I I I really even hate saying that because I don't want to put that on you know I work very hard to 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 make my music confusing you know Mm-hmm. <laughs> well that's good because like in that sense it's like well you know there's different interpretations and stuff and you know it, that's what I like about music is whenever you can get something different out of it especially upon multiple listens because that's like my favorite thing to do but like with that in mind what was something that you wanted listeners to kind of get out of listening to escaping Zayn in that sense um um well i i suppose in a way you know mod civ probably um the 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 theme of mod civ would probably be as you know kind of like the point Mm -hmm. um as far as what i'm trying to say what i want people to get out of it is um not a new message for me so you know i've been doing this long enough that you know, I'm still trying to explain um, the same stuff that I've been trying to explain for years, but, you know, with some changes, but, but Mod Civ is like, is like just a story about, it's a story about how the current system has its limitations Mm -hmm. and really that we we really 
do need to get to a place where we can evolve so much of the systems that connect us and 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 you know hold our society together and keep it moving mm-hmm. they have been built in totally different frames you know from how we live today so much from you know and these are systems that have like a lot of money running through them that that you know the people are not going to want to let these systems just get changed and they you know it's not going to happen without really top down you know we can't do it like all at once but but the alternative is is um destruction you know and i and i think i really i'm not like trying to call it like oh we should you know have violence. I'm not really a pacifist. I'm not mm-hmm. saying like we should have violence and like overthrow things and and um like I'm not saying that at all. Like I you know I I'm a religious idealistic person and I, I do not want to coerce anybody into my way of thinking. Like I want it to make sense. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of like rallying people into like discussion. It seems like and like awareness and. You know, that that was just something that I thought was really powerful about the, the record in that sense, because it's like things like the song, like they don't teach. It's all about bringing awareness to yourself about things that you were not educated through through the traditional system and, you know, dismantling the system, I feel like in a way that's productive and constructive. And that's really interesting that like that was kind of the intention, I feel like, for you with this record. Oh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's so much what, when I was younger, like very, when I was like a teenager, I predicted I would have a short life. I I, I really didn't see, you know, motherhood in store for me or any, you know, music, anything. Like I just, I just didn't really see anything in my future. And I, I really, you know, I was the class of 99. Like we expected the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> like we, <laughs> Like, we really did, like, like, oh, you graduated from high school, and then the world ends, okay. Yeah. We didn't expect it to be, like, the Y2K scenario, but we really felt like, I mean, this, the temperature just, just turned, just was turning way up, and, um, and so I don't, you know, now that I'm a mother, like, I, I really just, I don't want anything, I don't want any violence, I don't want any... I don't want anyone to be hurt. Like, I really just want people to just chill the hell out (laughs) and acknowledge the humanity in each other. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's such a simple thing to ask for. And I feel very much the same way. And I am constantly hoping that like conversations like this, people hear it and they get it and they start to act in a way that's going to just build respect and kindness toward each other. And that's see that not just to one exclusive group of people, but to all people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. I mean, there's, there's really, it doesn't seem like, yeah, I feel like silly being an idealist. Like I, I'm able to judge myself at the same time as I can mm-hmm. say that. Like, 
um, and and also to acknowledge that like my have a I have a magical thinking part of my brain like I'm religious like I engage in magical thinking and you know be, engage in religious behaviors that don't make sense they don't happen for a reason they they happen because I'm like aligning with a certain history like I'm aligning myself with like a tri like a tribal identity and 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 sort of like the roots of 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 this culture um it's not you know like i i wish i could just like let that all go and 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 like jump in and just be like i'm a human and 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 like um i'm a human and we're all humans and and we all you know can do all the same stuff and everyone can be the same but then i like i'm limiting myself by being by being like living in this in this religious discipline and so so when you know i put myself in this stupid position where oh i don't do shows on friday night or like i don't just like eat at any restaurant you know i have these limitations that i put on myself um it, you know it makes me it makes me have to realize that there's it's complicated like we can't just expect everyone to do what we wish that they would do to mm -hmm. make the world easier for us like people really are coming from really random specific special needs kinds of places um and when i say special needs i'm thinking special interests um not special needs like like um like educational like you know there's a variety of special interests that that everyone has and 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 so how do we you know how do we just get everyone to, to to tune in and be like okay we're all different it's okay yeah just respect the difference in that sense yeah we're, I, yeah and 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 then i w yeah yeah respect the difference like it's it's the point like we mm -hmm. you know albert einstein you know in, in, envisioned like figured out so much of of what we're you know mathematically able to figure out about the universe that we live in and he was a oddball he didn't talk until he was three he, you know he 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 wouldn't wear socks like he so basically we we should we you know like neurodiversity like we should really just be we should just really be accepting of people's diversity absolutely that's really well said and i feel like so much of those thoughts and feelings, it's coming out in your music and I'm excited for what you're doing next. Um, so you're writing this year, sounds like, and stuff. Um, what's ahead for the rest of 2019 for you and your music? Oh, well, we just started a Patreon because I decided to go back into the studio, but there's no um, supporters yet. So if anybody wants to um, help me feed my musical addiction, <laughs> I would really appreciate some support. Um, mm -hmm you know, even a dollar or something a month. I mean, I wouldn't expect anyone to do that. The only person I support on Patreon is invisible people who make videos about, um, who interviews people who are experiencing homelessness. So, you know, I wouldn't expect anyone to support me, but <laughs> if you do that, that's, you know, really awesome. And, um, but um, I just, yeah, pushing in with the, with the recording, I, I, I tend to, do everything all at the same time. So don't have a, you know, 
label or anything telling me what to do. So I'm performing, taking opportunities, you know, putting my shows together and just building. Definitely. Yeah. Cause that sounds like a really exciting time because you can do things at your own pace and, you know, really focus on what you really want to get out there with your music. Yeah. I mean, having this new band to work with is, is just awesome. It's definitely. Yeah. So with that, I always like to kind of end the episode with a question. It's a little bit of a trick question. Um, because everybody has a lot of bands and musicians they really like. And I want to know if you could play with any three musicians or bands that can be currently active or you can bring them back from the dead, who would they be? Oh my God. Three musicians or bands? Yep. At the same time? Um, well, you can, you could do it at the same time. You could have your own festival, like show. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's so hard. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to go with Lewis Cole, who is currently active. Um, I would say Lewis Cole. Um, I'm going to just say Mitski and Kimbra. Just because they're just on my mind. Oh, I regret it already. Like Regina Spector's like, what about me? (laughs) (laughs) I know you always have a different answer every time because like, you know, there's so many great people out there making music. And if you're like me, your answer could change from day to day when it comes to that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Like if you ask me that question now, I'm like from a cold play, I'm like knowing, Oh, I already thought of those three. Yeah. I mean, anybody, I, I mean, music is, uh, I would, I would, I, I just wish, you know, the world was a musical and we could just make music with everybody all the time. <laughs> that sounds like fun. And I would watch a musical that involves like you and Mitski already in itself sounds amazing (laughs) you never know the universe does some really strange things and i always end up seeing people end up having some opportunities you never would have guessed so you never know yeah no i mean i I mean obviously i'm working towards something but it's just my life i don't have any expectations you know (laughs) yeah and sometimes that'll take you a long way just in itself but i love that well it's been so much fun talking to you. Where can everybody keep up with you and your music on the internet? Uh, they just can, you know, go to nehedar.com. So that's N-E-H-E-D-A-R.com. And that will take you to a myriad of other locations. If you want to go to Bandcamp or SoundCloud or YouTube or Spotify, you can sort of choose, choose your poison, poison at this point. <laughs> that sounds awesome well everybody's gonna have to make sure that they follow you thank you so much for joining me this week thank you so much amanda been messing up a lot lately been messing up a lot lately this world is making me crazy this world is making me crazy
to Amelia for reaching out, sharing her music, and being such a wonderful supporter of the pod. Be sure to support and stream Escaping Zion and keep an eye out for more music by Amelia. I'm sure it's just going to keep getting all the more brilliant. I'm hooked. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with me online. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for regular updates. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Overcast, and more. Want to tell me you think of the podcast? Leave a review on any of the apps. I'd love to hear from you. For more news, thoughts, feels, or just all of the podcast episodes, please visit angrygirlmusic.com. I'm always booking guest spots, so hit me up at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com. Whether you write and play music, run a blog, take photos, work in publicity, or book shows, this can be a space for you. Send me a link to your work, and let's chat. Till next time, stay angry and stay inspired. We're not allowed to talk about that yet. We're not allowed to talk about that yet. We're not allowed to talk 